0: Everyone, You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Love Affair. Against the backdrop of that title, I want to teach you from this stage how to have an affair. That's right. We're going to leave here in a couple of moments, and we will all know how to have an affair. I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of couples during my life who've had affairs. I'm an expert on the subject. I've never had one, Lisa's never had one, but I've learned how to have an affair. I've read the emails. (laughs) I have file folders full of letters about affairs, and I've had telephone conversations with people right in the middle of it. So, if you're taking notes, write down these words. This is how to have an affair. No one wakes up one morning and rolls out of bed and and says to themselves, hey, today I'm going to break the seventh commandment. Today I'm going to commit adultery and have an affair. Yay! No, it doesn't happen that way. The path to promiscuity is very predictable. It's very methodical. And we're going to learn how to have an affair. But, but, but let, me, let me just put your minds at ease. I'm going to read some stuff and, and, and share some things with you. I'm not going to spill any secrets. I'm not going to betray any confidences. But I am going to share with you the cliff notes of all the conversations I've had regarding how to have an affair. Number one, here's what you do. You convince yourself that it cannot happen to your marriage. That's the first thing you've got to do if you want to have an affair. You say it to yourself over and over and over again. I cannot have an affair. There there is no way I'm going to end up in the bed of a third party. It's not going to happen to me. I'm I'm, I'm not going to do it. There's no way we're going to have an affair. We're not going to have it. Just, Just say that. Say that over and over and over because what that will help you to do is it'll help you to put your marriage on cruise control. It will help you to just be very apathetic and, and very predictable as a spouse and then you crank out a couple of kids and you're going to chase a career dad and mom, you're going to sort of orbit your life around the needs of the kids and and you have marital drift going on. And when you have marital drift going on and you say, hey, it cannot happen to me. We're not going to have an affair. Guess what? You are setting yourself up for an affair. It's It's just a matter of time before you have an affair. It's just a matter of time before you end up in the wrong bed. It will happen. So we need to learn how to do this, okay? How do you have an affair? Well, that's what you do. You say, It can't happen to me, it can't happen to me, it can't happen to me. Number two, cultivate your relationship with this third party. Because let's face it, we're men and women here. All of us. We're either a man or a woman. Am I I talking too fast? And. We're sexual creatures, and we're going to be attracted to members of the opposite sex. That's just going to happen. I used to think 24 years ago before I got married, well, man, once, once I get married, I guess I'll never be attracted to members of the opposite sex. I really thought that. I was young when I got married. At least I walked down the wedding runner. We went to Hawaii on our honeymoon, and I saw this girl by the pool. I was like, whoa, I can't. What, what, is something wrong with me? No. We're going to be attracted to members of the opposite sex. So when you click with someone at work, someone around the neighborhood, someone at the health club, don't, don't just click with them and go, okay, see you later. No, cultivate that relationship, you know. Talk to them. Just think thoughts in your mind like this. Just think thoughts like, what would it be like to spend more time with them alone? Just, just think that. Just. And then think this. What would it, what would it be like to, to hold them? I'm, you know, that's not a bad thought. I'm alone with them. Just hold them. I mean, that's, that's kind of innocent. But you can't stop. It's something that's innocent because, remember, you've got to have an affair. I'm teaching you how to have an affair. You, you, you then begin to drop some kind of flirtatious remarks. You, 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 you drop those remarks and you see how the person takes them. Oh, <laughs> they responded. Wow. After a while you begin to drop hints to the person. You know those hints like, hey man, if man, if I was single, whoo Man, your husband sure is fortunate. All those little Comments, you know? What would it be like just to go out to lunch with them alone? What would it be like to, to hold them? And, and then, again, it's just fantasy. Say to yourself, what would it be like to have relations with them? Sexual relations. You've, 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 you've thought about it. Just, just think about it more and more. And then, then all of a sudden, visions of romantic dinners dance in your head and Caribbean cruises dance in your head and throw in to, to that whole mix a little bit of romance novel and a little bit of movies and maybe a little soft porn and, and you're on your way, I'm telling you, you're on your way to having an affair. It's just, it's just a matter of time because you're cultivating this relationship. You're, you're talking to the person now and sharing stuff about your life So convince yourself it's not going to happen to you. Number two, cultivate the relationship with the third party. Number three, oh, this is huge. Compare your spouse to the other party. (laughs) Just just start comparing. Compare their looks, their walk, their talk, their physique, their reactions, their laugh, their personality. Just, just, Just compare. Let your mind go wild. (laughs) This is good stuff, man. This is how to have an affair, I'm telling you. Yeah, you probably never, maybe you have, but I'm not sure you've ever talked to anyone who's talked to as many people as I have in the middle of an affair. So this is like, I don't know if Oprah knows this stuff this good or Dr. (laughs) Phil, really, I, I... I've grown up in a pastor's home and, you know, dad's written books on the subject and, and and I've been pastor here 15 years and I've written books on the subject and I've interviewed people from all walks of life. I mean, this, is, this is cool. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. Number four, finally, you know this, have sex with them. Connect by having sex. You do simply physically what you've been doing Mentally and emotionally, for a long time, you have sexual intercourse with a third party. Now you've committed adultery and you've had an affair. Yeah! The ecstasy and the pleasure and the fun and the thrills and chills of it. Yeah! Yeah. Now it's very important at this point to pour yourself a cocktail. in fact maybe a couple of cocktails because you need to pour yourself a cocktail of 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 compromise you see you, you, you want to drink this cocktail two of them because you have to have something to numb the pain and the guilt you, you see what I'm saying to you? So you, so you so you 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 drink it and 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 you know you say to yourself you know hey everything's cool i mean no big deal and you begin to to lie you know, lie to yourself. Like, you say, you know, I uh, married the wrong person. <laughs> I, I, I didn't love this person when I got married. I mean, I was forced into it, man. Here's the, oh, yeah, didn't didn't just say this. Say, say to yourself, God wants me to be happy. I mean, Just say it over and over. God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy. Turn it over on the rotisserie grill of your mind. Here's something else you've got to say God's a forgiving God. He'll forgive me. He will. I mean, I know He will. I've told you how to have an affair. All the pleasure, the passion, the ecstasy, sneaking around, clandestine meetings in a hotel, romantic dinners, you take the business trip and this person shows up, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. Oh really? Dear Ed, Our marriage was not perfect, but it was ours, and it was all we knew. He was my best friend, and I trusted him totally. There were signs. I didn't ignore them, but I became suspicious and very observant. I finally got up the nerve to ask him point blank, face to face, are you and your coworker having an affair And my husband and best friend of many years looked me right in the eyes and lied. There were times when I knew he was talking with her on the phone. Many times I would put my hand on the phone receiver by my bed and consider picking it up and listening. Then I'd know for certain. No more speculating, but I couldn't do it. Because if it were true, it would hurt too much. And what would I do? Finally, my suspicions were replaced with fact. My thoughts and actions spun out of control. I became obsessed with the lies, the details of the affair and the events that led to it. I kept trying to put all the puzzle pieces together. I was taken over by obsessions. Images of my husband and his lover would flash through my mind day and night. I constantly awoke to dreams of him and her in bed together. It would play over and over and over. I stopped feeling positive about myself and about life. It was all negative, jealous, enraged, diminished, bitter, frightened, lonely, ugly, mistrustful, exposed. His deception blinded me from how I saw myself. I started doubting and questioning everything about myself. I thought it must be me. I must have caused this affair to happen. I must change myself. I felt the fate of our marriage was in my hands. Is that, is that what you want? Is that the kind of stuff that you want to sign up for? As I said, I've talked to hundreds of couples who faced adultery. And every single person eventually who's committed adultery has come back to me and said this, are you ready? Ed, I wish I could go back in time. I wish I could reverse the process. The process to promiscuity is painful and methodical. The process of having a true love affair with your spouse is also methodical, but it's not painful, it's awesome. In John 8, 44, Jesus is talking about the evil one. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This process that I just described to you regarding how to have an affair is full of lies. Just lies. Half-truths, lies, deception. And the evil one takes people down the same path, the same predictable path of promiscuity over and over and over and over and over again. Well, let's reverse the process. What do you say? Let's take this process and reverse it. I want to talk to you now about how to have a love affair with your spouse. Number one, convince yourself that it can happen to you. (laughs) It can happen to you. I don't care who you are. If you're on the stage, if you're singing, if you're playing an instrument, if you're speaking, if you're sitting there on the floor, in the balcony, if you're driving by on the freeway, hey, it can happen. Well, man, I don't believe that. Ed, I'm not sure. Think about David. A man after God's own heart, the scriptures say. I don't think any of us here will ever love God like David did. I know I want, and you want either. I know your name is not going to be in the Bible, and I want either. So if it can happen to David, it can happen to you, and you and you and you, and even me. Right person, the right place, the right time. Don't ever sit there and say, "Oh no, no, no! I'm above that, man. I'm on the next level, man." First Corinthians chapter ten, verse thirteen. It says, "If you're tempted," is that what it says? Maybe sometimes you might be tempted. No, no, no. It says, "When." You're tempted. We're going to be tempted. I'm on my honeymoon at the Mauna Kea Hotel, sitting with Lisa by the pool, see some beautiful woman walk by. Oh, man. When you're tempted. The attraction is not the, it's not the sin. We're going to be attracted to members of the opposite sex. That's not the sin. The sin is what you do with the attraction. When the attraction segues into A deadly action. You begin to paint the pictures in the mind, and you begin to lust after the person. That, that is where it goes south. Now, how about singles? We have a lot of singles here. Maybe you're a student or whatever. Do you realize if you are involved in sex, premarital sex, you are committing adultery? You're committing adultery before God. You are committing adultery against your future spouse. And also, you're setting yourself up to commit adultery after you walk down the wedding runner with your spouse. So don't sit there and think, well, this is not for me. I can count ceiling tiles and lights. No, this is, this is for everybody, for everybody. So we have to be, as Jesus said, as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. We've got to think. We've got to be smart. We've got to be aware. And we've got to use the brains that God's given us. We've got to have wisdom when it comes to this situation. So if I'm going to have a love affair with Lisa, I've got to convince myself, and she does too, that it can't happen to us. Number two, Cultivate your relationship with your mate. Cultivate it. Don't cultivate the relationship with a third party. That's where the wheels come off, man. We start we start sharing all this intimate stuff with a third party about our marriage and how we feel about stuff. Don't do that. Keep it on the surface. Keep it on the surface. And when you're talking to someone, Always bring up your spouse and talk about your spouse in a positive light. The Bible says we should not even have a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint. And God is pro-sex. I hope you know that. He wants us to practice sex within the confines of marriage. One man, one woman together. But we're to cultivate our relationship. Lisa and I are revising a book that we wrote years ago. It's already in its fourth printing. It's called The Creative Marriage. And, and we simply just took some principles from marriage and wrote it down in a book. And, and, and it's really soul-like wildfire. So we've gone back and revisited this book, and we've been writing over the last several weeks and, and tweaking it and all that stuff. And, and, and one of the things we talk about throughout the book is this. It's something called the MWE. You know what that is in marriage? The marital work ethic, M-W-E, the marital work ethic. Some people, I think, see Lisa and I and think, oh, man, you know, Ed, you and Lisa have been married 24 years. Uh, I know you're Christians and you're leaders at Fellowship Church, and I'm sure your marriage just works. It's just, it's just automatic, systematic. I'm sorry to rain on all your presuppositions, but no, it, it, it doesn't just work. It's not a natural thing because I am a self centered person. I say things I shouldn't say. I think things I shouldn't think. I do things I shouldn't do. So does Lisa. We have to work at our marriage. For 24 years, we have worked at our marriage. And many times we don't feel like working on our marriage we work on our marriage. We're we're very, very intentional about it. We've gone through dry seasons. We've gone through seasons when we're on a roll. We've gone through all of that. But I can tell you with complete confidence that Lisa and I have a stronger love today than we did 30 years ago when we first met when we were about 15 years old. It's because of the MWE. Whenever you see or feel that marital drift happening, and it will happen, you've got to be the one to step up and step out to take the initiative and to ride the crest of creativity. Because if we're not careful, pursuit, if left unchecked, can lead to predictability. You remember, like in the early days of your relationship when you're dating, man, everybody's pursuing one another, he's pursuing you, you're pursuing him, and pursuit, and in passion, and all that stuff, and you get married, and wow, okay, it's cool, and all of a sudden, what happens? Predictability, monotony, throwing a couple of kids, revolve your lives around the career and the kids, and you know what happens. You know what happens. Lisa and I have to work harder to have a date night today than we did 10 years ago. We have to work harder to carve time off for us to take several trips together alone. We have to work harder today than we did even 10 years ago. But I'm going to tell you something. Every sacrifice, every trip, everything we've done has been worth it. So cultivate. Cultivate your relationship with your mate. And when you see someone you're attracted to, here's here's something that, that, that I challenge you to do because I do this. Are you ready for this? Let me say it this way. Borrow pain from the future. Borrow pain from the future. You see someone at the office, around the neighborhood or whatever, borrow pain from the future. Okay, if I hook up with this person who I see at the health club or wherever, and I I know this person, we're connecting and all this. If I I take this to the next level, what is going to happen? Man, I'm going to sign up for some serious pain. Some serious pain. How many of you used to watch professional wrestling? I mean the real stuff, not this new stuff. I mean the real stuff. Rick Nature Boy Flair, you remember him? How about Dusty Rhodes, The American Dream? Remember Dusty Rhodes? Dusty Rhodes used to say this all the time. There's going to be some serious pain tonight in the house. (laughs) I love that guy. The American dream. 268 pounds of sweet soul. (laughs) Think about the pain of adultery. Before God, sitting down with your spouse and, and, and telling them, sitting down with your kids and telling them, your coworkers, family members, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Some of you here I know are thinking about committing adultery. You're right there on the edge, on the ledge. Others are in an adulterous relationship right now. So others have committed adultery, maybe you've come clean. Maybe some of you walked in here and said, there's no way this could happen to me. We've got to convince ourselves it can happen. We've got to cultivate our relationship with our mate and stop this connection we have with someone we're attracted to in its early stages. Just keep it on the surface. Don't go past that. Don't walk by the person's office. Don't, don't run around the neighborhood when you know this person might be outside. Don't show up at the gym when you know this person's gonna be there or whatever. Just don't do it. You remember Joseph? Joseph, man, when he was tempted, he just got out of there. That's why the Bible says flee sexual immorality. What does the word flee mean? Flee, that's what it means. There's sometimes you've just got to run. You know, you gotta get out. So convince yourself it can happen. Cultivate your relationship with your mate. Here's something else I jotted down. Compare your spouse to Christ. Hello, compare your spouse to Christ. If you compare your spouse, which I know you have done, with someone else, when you do that or when I do that, that's unrealistic. What what are we doing, man? We're we're comparing reality with fantasy. Let's say someone at work has caught your eye. You see him or her always putting their best foot forward, always dressed, always smiling, always polite, always have you know nice breath and white teeth and whatever you know all that stuff. Well. That person is not your spouse. I mean, you see your spouse. I mean, we see our spouse warts and all, don't we? (laughs) We see the real deal. Mortgage payments and car repairs and kids and homework and all that stuff. So it's just fantasy versus reality. And and what's so sinister about adultery is this, is that all these people that I know in my life have committed adultery. They step over the line, they dive into the pool, they end up in the deep weeds and they end up facing the same junk that they, that they didn't deal with in their marriage. And here's what's even wackier. They spend all this money and time and energy and creativity and innovation with this other person when they could just stop and water their own grass. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 says, Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought. You're in Hawaii with your new bride, see the girl? Whoa, I gotta take that thought captive. Woo! Race it, delete, delete, delete. Every thought. Does this thought honor you, Lord, or not? If it doesn't, whoosh, throw it out. Delete, delete, delete. Yeah, but God wants me to be happy. No, he doesn't. He wants our obedience. Well, you know, I, 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 did, I, did, I didn't mean it, you know, at the altar. You said it before God. It's a covenant, not a contract. Well, God will forgive me. Now, 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 wait a minute. Please, please, please don't, don't even say that. What are we doing now, premeditated sin? <laughs> yeah, God will forgive, but he's not going to remove the consequences. What if I walked outside, jumped in my truck, and motored over to a bank here in Grapevine? What if I robbed a bank tonight? I could probably do it. <laughs> what if I did that? And I was like, you know, oh, and these police can't catch me. Oh, they'd get me, cough me, <laughs> bad boy, bad boy. <laughs> I'd be behind bars in Huntsville. Maybe 20 years. You'd be like, man, Ed robbed that bank, man. I couldn't believe it. He's our senior pastor. He just left church and robbed the bank. (laughs) What if I got down on my knees in that cell floor? I said, Lord, forgive me. Lord, cleanse me. Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. God would forgive me, but he's not going to take away the consequences. I'm still facing 20 in the slammer. So yeah, will God forgive your adulterous relationship? Yes, but you know what? You are going to face some serious pain in the house. (laughs) The fourth thing I have written down here about how to have an affair with your spouse, connect with your spouse regularly. Connect with your spouse regularly. And that has to do with conversation, it has to do with emotional connection, it has to do with physical connection. We're to to connect regularly. We're to serve one another. We're to serve one another in all those ways that we can even think of. In fact, our relationship, as you know, our marriage is compared to Christ's relationship to the church, that's our standard. That's how holy, that's how pure, that's how awesome the connection is. So for us to step out and to break it, it's committing cosmic treason. Cosmic treason. I've been thinking over the last several weeks, okay? Why 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 do I want to be a faithful husband to Lisa? Why? Well, I don't want to experience the pain. I, I'm not into pain. Telling her, or maybe she's telling me, or with our kids and the ministry here, I cannot even entertain the thought of that. So pain would, would be a factor in keeping me faithful. Also my morals, I'm a moral guy. I have a moral compass. That is definitely something that, that, that keeps me on the straight and narrow marital path. But the more I prayed about it and thought about it, and the more I discussed it with some people I'm very close to and in, in, in respect, I started thinking about something bigger. I started thinking about something that, that, that I've never really really thought of before, but it was so obvious, it like, you know, boom, whacked me upside the head. There, there is a motivation in my life, in my marriage, that, that, that is, is very positive, that, that keeps Lisa and I faithful and, and, and should keep you faithful too. And I'll talk about that next time, okay? <laughs> that was mean, that was mean, but, but it's, so, it's so involved, really, I will, I will talk about that.